I'm Jack Van Horn from Van Horn Ranch in Hondo, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We are once again locked, loaded, and ready to roll with another episode of Texas Ag Today. All you got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, strong international demand is supporting sorghum prices for Texas farmers. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. 19 months after the big tornado, AgriLife is getting ready to rebuild in Vernon. I'm James Hunt, and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. New cotton varieties for 2024 include a good fit for West Texas cotton farmers. I'm Tom Nicolotti, and I'll be reporting from San Antonio at the Delta Pine New Product Evaluator Summit on Texas Ag Today. Finally, in Texas, we have a true autumn or fall. In other words, not a real traumatic freeze early in the year. Please join me, John Begno, as we talk about the response of plants to fall. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Strong international demand for U.S. sorghum is supporting prices. Tim Lust is CEO of National Sorghum Producers in Lubbock. You know, really led by China, uh, continues to be our strong dominant player. Um, Certainly continue to see sales to Mexico and Japan and several other countries. Uh, Food aid has actually been very strong too with some of the challenges in Africa. We've we've seen significant amount of food aid shipments as well. So, um, you know, just continue to see that uh, solid. you know, everybody worries a little bit about a macroeconomy situation, but so far demand has been really strong and stayed really solid for sorghum. Lust says that demand helps sorghum receive strong premiums throughout harvest this year. USDA wants to know more about Texans involved in aquaculture. In mid-December, USDA's National Agricultural Statistics Service will begin mailing the 2023 Census of Aquaculture to all producers who indicated on their Census of Agriculture that they produce and sell aquaculture products. NASS Administrator Hubert Hammer says the information provided in the census will serve as a foundation for many decisions involving the sustainability and growth of the aquaculture industry for years to come. The deadline to respond to the Census of Aquaculture is January 15th. Producers can respond to the paper mailed to them or respond on accounts.usda.gov. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. 
Texas dairy farmers are dealing with forage shortages heading into winter, just like all other livestock producers here in Texas. Darren Turley, executive director of the Texas Association of Dairymen, says corn silage has been in short supply for the last two years thanks to drought. Oh, and, and corn's kind of thirsty. You know, it is. It takes some water to make a good corn crop, and when Mother Nature don't give you any, it, it can be a real struggle, and that's what we've seen. But, yeah, we have producers. Uh, some have went to uh, some sorghum due to some different planting conditions, late planting, had some wet spring. You know, we did get some rains early and make a cutting or make a silage crop, uh, a lot of producers had used everything they had the year before. They were basically on empty. So it might not have been enough to get them through the year, but it's enough to help. And so we could try to sustain that with some additional forages and haze and try to stretch that out. Turley says Texas High Plains dairy farms are well prepared going into the winter, with many forecasters calling for a cold, wet winter this year thanks to the El Nino weather pattern that has now moved into Texas. Texas A&M AgriLife is ready to rebuild in Vernon. James Hunt tells us that rebuild is coming 19 months after a devastating tornado. In yesterday's report, we talked about Texas A&M AgriLife's preparations for the relocation of the AgriLife Regional Center in Amarillo to the campus of West Texas A&M in Canyon. Today, we have an update on another major AgriLife construction project, the rebuilding of the Research and Extension Center at Vernon. That facility sustained major damage in a tornado in May of last year, but AgriLife's Director of Research, Cliff Lamb, says the effort to restore and upgrade the center is about to begin. Construction is going to be starting any day, depending on when they can get everything up and running. I suspect we'll start seeing things going on there January, February. The goal is to have our faculty move in in the summer of 2025 back into the research facility. And here's an encouraging note from Dr. Lamb on the AgriLife peanut sheller located at the Vernon site. From what we know at this point, the peanut sheller is operational. It did not suffer a significant amount of damage and it will be able to shell peanuts once we get a roof back up and get everything running again. For us, that's extremely important and it is a big concern of ours, but I think we're going to be good there. And one more good thing to know, even with the facility being knocked out of operation by the tornado, Dr. Lamb says AgriLife's work at Vernon has largely continued. We've been very, very well supported by the community, allowing us to office in other areas. And there's been a lot of data collection. There's been a lot of research going on. Some of the lab and analytical things have slowed down, but we'll be able to catch up once we get everybody online. Once again, that was Cliff Lamb, AgriLife's Director of Research. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. New cotton varieties are ready to go for 2024. Tom Nicoletti reports from San Antonio. Today reporting from the new product evaluator Delta Pine Summit in San Antonio where a number of varieties were released for the new growing season and this is the 16th season for the new product evaluator program in which cotton farmers from Texas and across the cotton belt provide valuable insight from a variety of plots on their farms and uh, they work with uh, local agronomists and bear personnel and give them feedback on the management and performance of the those 
tested varieties. And with me today is Eric Best. And Eric is the Delta Pine Cotton Product Manager. And Eric, let's talk about those varieties. Delta Pine uh, 2436 will be uh, available for commercial use in uh, 2024. What will Texas farmers expect from that? And what region uh, will they uh, be uh, growing this? 2436 is a new NRB3TXF product. So that brings root knot resistance in the new Thrive On trait platform. 2436 was primarily tested in West Texas. That's where we think the best fit is. And it brings a true mid-maturity product that not only has done very well on those type of nematode acres, but has done very well in the absence of the pest and held its own against some very strong checks that have been grown on a, on a lot of acres and trusted on a lot of acres in West Texas. Probably its best fit given its maturity is probably that Lubbock Tariff County South. This variety has shown to have very strong performance both on yield and quality uh, on those acres that don't have nematodes. So it's a good variety on its own. Plus you have the uh, the added benefit of the Thrive On Trait platform as well as the nematode resistance. That is Eric Best. He is Delta Pine Cotton Product Manager. Reporting from San Antonio, I'm Tom Nicoletti for the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Fall is now wrapping up as the official start of winter gets underway next week. Horticulturalist John Begno has more from San Angelo. Well, finally, if you've driven across Central Texas over the last couple of weeks, you probably saw a change in the color. Now, granted, it's not New England where you have the red sugar maples and all that beautiful bright red color, but we do have plenty of yellows, everything from pecans to cedar elms to even persimmon trees, and now the leaves are beginning to drop. But it's not often that we don't get surprised by an early hard freeze in Texas that does a lot of damage to plants. And so it's been a real blessing this year to have a true autumn or fall conditioning these plants for the cold weather. And how that works is as the days get shorter, okay, it gets a little cooler at night, even the angle of the sun has something to do with preparing plants for winter. And it's all been a perfect storm. It's happened all across except in the real far north around Amarillo, where they've had some real severe freezes already. We're seeing plants that are ready to lose their leaves and go to rest. And that's what they do in the wintertime is plants, even evergreen plants, take a breath of fresh air and just say, let's take a break. Their food has been stored down in the root system for spring bud break. And leaves have maintained themselves on pecan trees, especially, and a lot of other trees really late in the year, which means they've had a great time to store food. So we should have a good spring break, especially on trees that have color and bloom in the spring. So that's all good. What we're doing now is we're putting everything up, the fertilizer, the spray, the equipment. We're getting all that stuff winterized and out of the way. We are pruning trees now. Even though there might be a few yellow leaves on or even if it's an evergreen live oak, yes, you can start pruning your trees in Texas. And if you're in an urban environment, you might want to get on the list of a very good pruner so that you can get that done. But you've got all of December now, January and February to do your major pruning. Dead limbs and stuff like that, of course, could be pruned at any time of the year. But any kind of major pruning you want to do now. We don't do a lot of planting right now. Kind of postpone some of that stuff. We're, we're taking a rest as well as those plants are. This is John Begno reporting for Texas Ag Today from San Angelo. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department has confirmed a case of chronic wasting disease in a free-ranging deer. I'm Jessica Domel and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. 
and equine liver disease may be more common than we think. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, visit tfbhealth.com. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Equine liver disease may be more common than we think. Dr. Bob Judd looks at the recent research on it. Decades ago, it was recognized that the practice of administering an equine biological like tetanus antitoxin could put patients at risk for Thyler's disease. Thyler's disease, or equine serum hepatitis, was suspected to be caused by viruses. Recent research has shown that there are some new viruses that affect the liver, but testing for them is not recommended unless the horse has liver disease. Dr. Joy Tomlinson indicates that equine hepasivirus is closely related to human hepatitis C and causes acute and chronic liver disease. 80% of the horses have antibodies to the virus, but most of these horses show no symptoms. Equine parvovirus can also affect the liver and causes the virus to be present in the bloodstream. This virus is common in horses that receive equine biological products and can cause Thyler's disease and liver failure. Transmission of the virus between horses is unknown, but it is believed to be related to insects as vectors. The virus can also be transmitted by any tool that contains a horse's blood, including dental floats or injecting multiple horses with the same needle. Hepatitis B has been found in donkeys and zebras, but we do not know if it infects horses. Preventing these liver viruses is difficult since we don't know how they are transmitted, but they do seem to be more common in older horses. Transmission likely occurs through blood-contaminated equipment, but even saliva, urine, and feces could be involved. The United States Department of Agriculture requires all horses used in the production of equine biologics to be negative for equine parvovirus. Testing of equine hepasivirus by manufacturers has not yet been required by the USDA. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department has confirmed a case of chronic wasting disease in a free-ranging deer. Jessica Domel has the details in today's wildlife report. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department has confirmed a second case of chronic wasting disease in a free-ranging deer this year. Late last week, TPWD announced a two-year-old white-tailed buck tested positive for the fatal neurological deer disease in Coleman County. According to the department, the buck was harvested by a hunter on a low-fenced property, and the hunter voluntarily allowed the department to test the deer for the disease as part of TPWD's statewide surveillance effort. 
It is the first case of CWD in the county. TPWD is expected to establish CWD containment and surveillance zones in the area. However, they may not be established until 2024. In the meantime, the department is encouraging hunters to voluntarily test their deer in the area between Coleman and Cross Plains. Hunters can contact the local TPWD biologist to arrange testing. Contact information is available on the TPWD website. CWD is a neurological disease with an incubation period that can span years. So often the first indication of CWD in a herd is through surveillance testing rather than someone observing clinical signs of the disease. TPWD says early detection and proactive monitoring improve the state's response time to the detection of CWD and can greatly reduce the risk of further CWD spread. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention reports there's no strong evidence that CWD can infect humans. However, they recommend that hunters consider testing CWD-susceptible species harvested in CWD zones before consumption. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It's time to check the markets. We'll be back with a complete look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, call 833-TX-HEALTH or visit 833-TXHEALTH.com. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Cattle futures continue to slow recovery in Tuesday's trade. We finished slightly higher in live cattle, feeder cattle as well. December live cattle up 72 cents, 167.70. February up 70 at 168.60. With April live cattle up 90, 172.40. January feeder cattle up a dollar thirty, closing at two nineteen twenty-five. March feeders up a dollar two nineteen sixty. April up a dollar thirty-five two twenty-three thirty-five. Cash fed cattle trade all quiet so far this week. No sales to report. No bids or asking prices have surfaced as well. Box beef prices mixed Tuesday. Choice up two sixty-eight two ninety-three eleven. Select down eighty-one cents. 258.73. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pins with Larry Marble. Riley Rhodes in the sale barn alleyway with me today discussing the results of the sale at Live Oak Livestock, Three Rivers, Texas. Riley, how did the Monday sale turn out? It was good, Larry. Uh, maybe had just a little bit of a softer tone to it than what it has the last couple of weeks, uh, but still a really good market. Uh, lots of demand. Uh, ended up with 1,826 head today. Uh, like the last few weeks, uh, just splitting out most of the pairs, uh, you know, anywhere from 1,000 up to 1,700. Uh, did sell some bread cows today. The better end of those, 1075 up to 14. 
1500 uh, some uh, Packer cows today, uh, maybe just a couple cents cheaper, 96 to $1.04. On your high-yielding cows, 90 to 98 on your, on your breakers. The canners, 52 to 78 Your high-yielding bulls, 116 to 120 Low to medium-yielding bulls, 92 to $1.16. Like I said, the camp market, uh, especially on the bigger cattle, might have had a little softer tone to it, uh, but still uh, lots of uh, activity on the lightweights. Uh, the two- to three-weight choice steers, 284 to 324 Heifer mates, 264 to 310 Three- to four-weight choice steers, 280 to 308 Heifer mates 242 to 286. Four to five weight choice steers 260 to 288. Heifer mates 232 to 268. Uh, five to six weight choice steers 240 to 276. Heifer mates 212 to 238. Six to seven weight choice steers 214 to 238. Heifer mates 188 to 208. And the seven to eight weight cattle, your choice steers 186 to 216. Heifer mates 178 to 192. So uh, got along good. You know, pleased with it. Ended up pretty good volume today. And uh, next week will be our last sale of the year. Uh, uh, next Monday, the 18th and then uh, we'll be closed for two weeks and be back open on January the 8th. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Riley. 361-813-6650 is the sale. 361-786-2553 is the office. LiveOakLivestock.com is the web. Riley, thank you. Neighbor, thank you, too, for listening to Walking the Pins here on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. You're listening to us right this second on Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. Arlene Hong's finished mixed. The nearby December contract down 42 cents, 67.82. February Hogs up 92 cents, 68.25. Class 3 milk was lower. December milk down 4, 16.19 a hundredweight. January milk down 16 at 16.30 a hundred. Cotton market finished lower on Tuesday. Negative outside markets pressuring prices. Traders also waiting to see what the Fed says about interest rates this week. We close with March cotton down 95 points, 81.05. May cotton down 76 at 81.80. Corn was slightly higher. December corn up two cents, 462 and a half. March corn up three and three quarters, 485 and a quarter. The real action has been in the wheat market over the last couple of weeks. On Tuesday, big jump higher. News of strong world demand may be helping us out some. Also news that Ukraine's wheat crop could be the lowest in 12 years. That may be boosting prices as well. We saw a nice jump in both hard and soft wheat. March Kansas City wheat up 24 and a half, 656 and three quarters. March wheat up 16 cents, 625 and a half. In the energy markets, January natural gas down 14 cents, 229. January West Texas crude down 259 at 68.73 a barrel. The financial markets higher Tuesday afternoon. The Dow up 173 points, 36,577. The Nasdaq up 100, 14,533. With the S&P up 21. 4,643. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.